like it was announced earlier today we're going to have uh, we're going to this is going to be the inaugural uh, sermon f- in the new in the new series that uh, that we're going to start and the new series is based on two books so the first book is the book of luke like you all know and the second book is a book written by um, written by the same author who wrote uh, who wrote the luke's gospel and that is acts right so we're going to do luke and acts together and uh, and 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 we hope that it's going to be an enjoyable time of study uh, for all of us together as a church as we go through this particular series now the book of acts is commonly referred to as the acts of the apostles right um and the gospels um are an account of the acts of jesus christ so we did a play on you know the acts of the go- uh, the the acts of the apostles and um, bringing in the gospel together so we decided to call this the acts of christ and the apostles so that is going to be the theme of our uh, that's going to be our sermon series and it's called the acts of christ and the apostles um and um and uh, this is going to be what we are going to be studying over the course of the next couple of weeks or months okay so yesterday we had um, you know we had sent out that uh, that that center portion right the cross and the dots and there was this question which was asked to the groups as to what does that represent now we got a lot of interesting answers several of you put it in the groups some of you sent messages to me personally but i think the answer was uh, it's a very simple answer it is christ and the 12 apostles so that is what that is what that represents and i think a um, couple of you i think ajit ashmama arpana and i think some of you got it right so the the answer was that so it is christ and uh, he's in the midst of the 12 apostles so that's uh, so that's what uh, that uh, represented yeah so now as we go ahead right before we go into the rest of uh, these slides and we go into what we have to do for today i want to actually take us to some of the key things that we studied while we were doing the whole council of god now it's important that we look into some of those things to set the context as we go into these in, into into the into the gospel now in the whole council of god if you remember once we studied creation we came to genesis chapter 3 and there the fall happened and in the fall in genesis chapter 3 we find god promising the seed he said that a seed will come to crush the head of satan and at that point of time god had made his intention clear to send his son to to rescue the world or to save us from the power of sin and then we find that as the story progresses in the old testament we came to the story of abraham and we found that abraham was called and he was asked to leave the land of ur in iraq and go towards canaan and abraham is the father of faith and abraham despite his advanced years he was told that his descendants are going to be like the stars in the sky and like the sand on the seashore Now the story further progresses and it goes on and God makes a covenant at that point of time to Abraham um and then as the story progresses we find that um, you know they go to they go to Egypt they were caught in slavery uh, Moses led them out of that and then God makes a covenant with Moses and as he makes a covenant with Moses that becomes a conditional covenant because he tells through Moses that if you obey me and keep my commands then God is going to be faithful and he's going to bless them but we know that the people fail miserably and as a result of which they were punished by god eventually again as the story progresses we find david uh, who takes over as the king this is after after solomon dies after saul dies 
and then during david's time there's another covenant which is made and it is told that his throne will be established forever now we know that now that we have the whole bible we know that this is actually speaking about jesus christ and it is through jesus christ that the throne is established forever and because jesus christ had to come from the line of david we find the southern kingdom was protected because later as we know that after the time of solomon the kingdom split into two and after the kingdom split into two while the northern kingdom never came back the southern people the southern kingdom after they went into exile they actually came back and they were protected because jesus had to come from the line of david okay now now as we come to the close of the old testament uh, we find that uh, the people of israel had come back they had come into into their land uh, we find that uh, the the persians were in power at that point of time yeah the first slide you know it's actually speaking about the the the, the persians now persians were 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 currently ruling over them and uh, during the time of king darius uh, darius was asked by god to let his people go out go back into their land and we find that the israelites go back into their land they repossess the land and eventually god uses people like uh, zerubbabel to build the temple he uses nehemiah to get them to rebuild the walls and we know that uh, ezra led the people in a spiritual revival so we find that these people after they were in exile they were coming back into the land and they were settled now there's a reason why we are going through this and so i know history may not be what most of you are interested in but it's it's good for us to really know some of these things now after the persian empire came the greeks and who was and who was the most famous uh, greek emperor it was alexander the great right and during the time of alexander the great there was this huge interest to impose a greek culture on the land and that was called as hellenization so they wanted a common um, they wanted a common language they wanted a common culture they brought in their education and philosophies because that's what the greeks were known for and 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 you know if you look at uh, if you look at uh, if you look at it this is pretty much what is happening in india as well right they want to kind of unify us with one language and one culture in some sense some people want to do that and this is what the greeks also wanted to do at that point of time and soon after alexander's death he died actually at a pretty early age i think at the age of 32 or something he passes away and then his generals divided the kingdom and took and 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 and, and you know they they took pieces of the kingdom and they were beginning beginning to administer them eventually that leads to some amount of consolidation but then there was this one terrible guy who came in about whom ravind has spoken here before and uh, thanks nathan and and you know during the time of this man who was known as antiochus the 4th the temple of god was desecrated and and the desecration was such that he brought in a pig and it was offered on the altar and and that is an unclean animal for a jew and that's the extent to which the temple of god was desecrated and at that point of time what was also happening is that the the priests they were very corrupt and sometimes the priests used to used to bribe their uh, foreign powers and 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 that's how some of them became high priests and so the high priests were also pretty much servile to their foreign powers and god used a man called mattathias to to bring about a rebellion and 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 you know that's what happens after the time of greeks and that particular dynasty is known as the hasmonean dynasty and mattathias had a son especially his middle son who was known as judas maccabees 
they revolted against them and during that period we find the land of israel coming back into the hands of the jews and this is considered to be a golden period in the history of israel when the jews began to administer the land by themselves and this period from 142 bc to 63 bc they were ruling their own land and eventually what we find is eventually that they also lose the kingdom after 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 63 bc and then the kingdom moves into the hands of the romans and the romans come marching in and we find that during the time of romans um there was one thing that 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 happened which really didn't happen in the earlier regimes now in luke we find a roman ruler known as caesar augustus and during the time of caesar augustus he was a pretty efficient guy he ensured that overall overall there was fairly good amount of peace and prosperity in the land and this is very important because because you know in those days uh, you know battles and invasions were very common because because every king wanted to expand the kingdom and they would annex the neighboring nations and that's what all the other guys also kept doing but during the time of caesar augustus there was a fair amount of peace and prosperity in the land and they also gave a lot of importance to infrastructure as a result of which there were good roads across the kingdom and people could travel up and down um this kind of brought uh, people together as well now now we know that you know in all of this right this infrastructure the the common culture which came about all of this actually came together to help the eventual spread of the gospel and that's the beauty of it right it doesn't matter who reigned it doesn't matter whether it was the persians the greeks or the romans but through all of this we find that god working out his plan and making the world ready for the arrival of his holy son our lord jesus christ the vehicle right when he chose abraham there was a vehicle which was chosen and that vehicle was the nation of israel and now the vehicle is ready to launch his holy son into the world and the portion that ruben read for us sometime back which is in the which which is which is in galatians it says that when the fullness of time came god sent forth his son born of a woman born under the law to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons this 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 term when the fullness of time came or in some translations i think it says when the time had fully come what is this fullness of time right we saw the we saw the four uh, regimes or the four empires that were ruling and what what was special at that time that at this point of time that jesus christ should make his appearance on the face of the earth now you know the first point that we need to understand is it was the right time religiously okay it was the right time religiously because you know during captivity and while they were in exile israelites had actually fors- uh, forsaken idolatry in fact um, while later they rejected the messiah and all of that the fact remains that they never went back to idolatry and and because they were studying the law uh, which was which was uh, you know during the time of ezra they all came back to studying the law and all of that there was this they they were studying about the arrival of a messiah someone who would eventually come into the world and so there was this expectation for a messiah and and therefore it was the right time in a religious sense for the arrival of the messiah now as we as as we as as we look ahead uh, there's another reason why it was the right time and which is it was the right time culturally now because of the widespread use of the greek language and because of better communication at that point of time 
you know the gospel of jesus christ could be easily passed down to people in the empire and they could freely communicate with each other as a result of the common culture that was there so hence it was the right time culturally and then we look at point number 3 and which is it was also the right time politically like we saw during the time of the romans there was a fair amount of peace and stability and there was good infrastructure and this would come into play to take the gospel to the ends of the empire people could freely move about because there was good infrastructure good roads and because there was general generally there was peace in the land of rome in the in 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 the in the, in the empire of rome uh, the gospel could be taken across and this is what the disciples of jesus christ and the early church used to take the gospel to the ends of the earth you see how god orchestrates everything it doesn't matter who rules god actually was orchestrating everything for the arrival of god's holy son into this world and that's the beauty of of god and his sovereignty you know it doesn't matter which nation rules it doesn't matter which political power rules but his plans and purposes will always endure and that we find uh, you know as we read as we study the context um, that was happening before the arrival of the lord jesus christ now we now we move further ahead and as we as as we just discussed we are going to be studying the book of luke right and the gospels actually tell the story of jesus christ and all his acts so if we come into the book of uh, if we i mean if we come into the gospels i just want to do a quick comparison of the gospels raymond will further take on this in the next week but i just wanted to give you a brief idea about what the various gospels uh, what is the theme in the various gospels and why they were written so so this is the, the the top says you know matthew mark luke and john and then the second one speaks about the audience now we know that matthew was written to a jewish audience matthew himself was a tax collector he would have been educated he was he was explaining to the jews and he was quoting a lot of things from the old testament to prove to them that this was jesus who was the king and mark was writing this to the romans Luke was writing to this man called Theophilus who seemed to be a person with good standing in the society a good educated man and he is giving a detailed account and then finally we come to John who is writing to the Greek to the Greek world uh, which was which 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 was there at that time and all of them are painting a particular portrait of the Lord Jesus Christ like we said Matthew is painting the portrait of Jesus being the king and and he's the one who fulfill all the old testament prophecies and if you look at Matthew there are several quotations from the old testament that he takes there Mark is presenting him as the son of god and Luke you know Luke is presenting him as the perfect man he uses this term called the son of man and and he he presents a very kind side of Jesus where Jesus is healing people and Jesus is with the sick and the poor and 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 and, and you know he's presenting Jesus as the son of man to Theophilus the person to whom he's addressing this particular gospel and finally in John Jesus is being spoken of as the son of god in whom we all should believe for us to enjoy everlasting life now these are some of the key verses in in uh, in all of that we are not going to get into it but uh, you know uh, uh, luke chapter 19 and verse 10 speaks of jesus who came to seek and save that which was lost okay now the key words which are used across these gospels matthew speaks about fulfillment finally 
the, the, the prophecies are being fulfilled through the Lord Jesus Christ. In Mark, you know, Mark is a book of action, short gospel. Jesus is going from one place to the other and doing a lot of things. And you find this word immediately happening right across the book. Luke, we said, Luke, he uses the term the son of man. Son of man is a term which we first find in the book of Daniel. And here Jesus, uh, and, and, and here Luke uses this term as the son of man. Jesus himself calls himself the son of man because he was fully God, yet he was fully man. He empathized with people and he gave his life for his people. And John finally says that believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. So this is how the various gospels are, um, are, or the theme of the various gospels are. This is, the, you know, they are written to different audiences, and a different portrait of Jesus Christ is being painted through these gospels. So we will be studying the Gospel of Luke. So now we saw what the gospels are. We took a look at what the historical context is. It is also important for us to know what was the religious context uh, in the land of Israel, um, you know, during the time of Jesus. So we'll now look into the religious context of that uh, time. Now, there are two key religious places which was very important for the life of a Jew, okay? And the first is obviously the temple, right? The temple was central to a Jew. In In their religious life, the there's no greater place than the temple. And we know that the first temple was built by Solomon, grand temple. And this was, uh, this was later uh, taken apart by Nebuchadnezzar during the invasion of the Babylonians. And then this temple was later rebuilt through the efforts of, uh, I mean, because of the leadership given uh, by Zerubbabel and others. And the temple came back after they came back from the land of, uh, from, from, from Babylon. But then later, this particular temple was further, uh, what do you call, was further made big by King Herod, who was ruling at that time. Okay? And King Herod continued to make this temple a magnificent temple all the way up till AD 64. He kept building on this temple and making it grand. And AD 70, actually, the temple gets torn apart, but that's a different story. But the fact is, for the life of a Jew, the temple of God is very, very I mean, it's, it, it holds a primary position in their life. And because it is only in the temple that they can bring sacrifices. So if they were to offer sacrifices, they couldn't go anywhere else. They had to come to the temple in Jerusalem. So, so and you know, in the temple, they had uh, the outer court. And it's in the outer court that, you know, that, and up till the outer court, the Gentiles like us could go up till the outer court. And it is in this outer court that, you know, there was this marketplace and Jesus had to turn the tables and drive people out because they were making it a, a place of business. And Jesus actually drives them out. So always remember that for a Jew, the place of most religious significance is the, te- is the temple in Jerusalem. And now there is no temple in Jerusalem. They claim that where the temple was is where today the, um, the um, Dome of the Rock, the mosque stands. And so today Israelites cannot bring their sacrifices into the temple because there is no temple and they cannot build a temple elsewhere. They have to build it in its original place. Now, there are some fanatic Orthodox Jews who have actually prepared every material that is needed for the temple, and they have kept it in a museum there. Um, So they are awaiting for a day when they believe that the temple can be 
reconstructed in that place. Now, another place of religious significance is the synagogue. What is a synagogue, right? We keep reading in the books, uh, we keep reading in the Gospels about the synagogue. What exactly is the synagogue? So, synagogues came into, so we don't find a mention of the synagogues in the Old Testament. We don't find it anywhere in the Old Testament. We only find it in the New Testament. So when the Israelites went into exile, they obviously couldn't, um, they obviously couldn't uh, bring their sacrifices. They couldn't come to the temple, and the temple was anyway destroyed. Synagogues came to be a place where the Jewish community would come in to just study the scriptures together. They would, they would listen to the laws. They would listen to exposition from the scriptures, from the Old Testament scriptures. And it became a community place for people to come together. It's more or less like our local church, right? You have a group of Christians and then, you know, there's a local church which actually comes into shape there. So, 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 so synagogues came to be a place where the Jews of that particular region came together to, in a way, fellowship, to study the scriptures. And, and the synagogues also, uh, you know, some of the synagogues also developed schools. The, some of the elders in the synagogues, they also took up positions in the society, like they became magistrates and guardians of the society. So synagogues became an important place for Jewish communities around the world. Now, this particular synagogue that you see, I don't know whether you know where this is. This is actually the synagogue in Cochin, right? The Pardesi synagogue. A couple of us from CVF had gone there a few years back, and we had a good time there. So, so in India, we had a couple of synagogues. If I remember right, in Chennai, Calcutta, and some of these places, there were synagogues. This is one of the oldest still-functioning synagogues in Asia, I believe. So, 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 just to, so just for you to understand the difference between a temple and the synagogues, temple is the only place... Which, where you can offer sacrifice, and temple was, was uh, I mean, the first temple came about uh, during the time of Solomon, and synagogues we don't find in the Old Testament, but they were more centers of learning, centers of fellowship, where people came together to study the scriptures, to hear the scriptures, and also have a community bond and fellowship. So, so, so that is, so these are the two places of religious significance in the life of a Jew. So when we go into the book of Luke and when you study any other gospel, it is good for you to just uh, keep this difference in your mind, right? And no sacrifices happens in the synagogue. Sacrifices can happen only in the temple. So now we move further ahead. Okay, what are the groups of people in Judaism who were uh, who were uh, around, uh, who were uh, walking around during the time of Jesus? Again, these people we constantly find in the Gospels, but it is good for us to know who these people are. First, scribes, right? We keep hearing about the scribes and the Pharisees. Who are these scribes? Now, you know, during the time of Ezra, you know, great importance was given to the study of the scriptures. Now, people realized that they were being punished because they didn't follow the law. They didn't keep the laws. And as a result of which, they were punished. Now, these people, once they went into exile, they were so eager to actually study the law and they didn't want to break the law. And, and, and you know, some of these guys wanted to, wanted to adhere to every little thing that the law said. Now, God gave his prescriptions in the Old Testament, but, but you know, sometimes as human beings, we like rules, right? So there was this cousin of mine, I remember when he was small, he used to always have his hair a little long. And uh, people around used to tell him to cut his hair, and he would ask, how long is long? 
right? So that was his way of countering. And and you know, we always look for laws. So possibly if there was there was a law which said that your hair shouldn't be more than two centimeters, you know, people are very happy to have such laws. But 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 you know, here we find the scribes at that time, they were called upon to further interpret the laws. And these are the guys who during the time they went into exile and later on, who actually prescribed things. So for example, you find in the New Testament that, you know, when Jesus and his disciples were, you know, they, they ate corn, you know, people raised objection to it. Or during a Sabbath, you're allowed to walk only a certain number of miles and you can't go beyond that. Now, these are not things that you find in the Old Testament, but these are prescriptions which got added. And, you know, these are man-made rules that got added. And these, and the scribes are the ones who were instrumental in bringing about some of these laws. And, uh, and, uh, and that's how, and that was their primary role. Now, the scribes were also, in a way, a subset of the Pharisees. So they came out of the Pharisees, and, they, and these two groups were, were, were tightly linked. But I hope you understood, you know, when we read about scribes, what did they do? They actually wrote out further interpretations of the law, and they made further rules, which, 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 the, uh, which the Jewish community adopted. Now, the next group is the most famous group, and which is the Pharisees. Now, who are these guys, right? Who are these guys? We find Jesus constantly rebuking these guys. Jesus is constantly at loggerheads with the Pharisees. Now, who are these guys? Now, Pharisees were like the religious purists. They were, they were the ones who gave their heart, soul, and everything to adhere to every, every, every uh, word in the law. The law of God and the man-made traditions that came up later, right? So they had, uh, so the Jews had, had laws for dress, for their hair. They had laws for eating. They had laws for everything. And you will not be able to catch a Pharisee break break any law, any of the external laws. In fact, I don't know whether you all remember uh, when that uh, when the twenty-six eleven happened in Bombay. The Jewish center in Bombay was was targeted, right? That rabbi was killed, the rabbi and his wife was killed, and his um, son and the maid, um, um, they, they managed to escape. And later, when that center was being rededicated, there was a, there was a news, I think, which came out, and um, they showed us a video about the Jewish center in Bombay. And I still remember in that footage, there was this, there was this portion where they showed all the Jewish law books which were there in that center. And it's incredible the number of books that they had because, and these were all not really part of the Old Testament, but these were things that were constantly added. And they were the human traditions which got added. And, 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 and for a Jew, they, especially for a Pharisee, they would really look forward to keeping each one of those laws. And that's how they thought that uh, they were pleasing God. And as a result of them being brilliant with keeping all the laws, it also made them very self-righteous. They had this attitude of, you know, holier than thou. I'm better than you. You know, I keep all the laws. You don't keep the laws. Now, if you remember the in the temple where the uh, uh, where the Pharisee and the tax collector, you know, he looked down on the tax collector, right? Because he was so self-righteous. Whereas the tax collector was beating his chest, and he was he was he was he was truly he was truly repentant. Whereas the Pharisee had this attitude of, you know. I'm close to God, or, 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 you know, you can't point a fault at me. And so this holier-than-thou attitude made them, they were not really the most popular people in the society. So I hope, uh, um, you know, you, you got some idea as to who a Pharisee is.
so you know it's very important for us to you know as we as we read the scriptures and even in sunday schools and all of that you know we've we keep reading about scribes and the pharisees and the sadducees and all these guys it's good for us to really know uh, what their specific roles were because that will help us to have a better understanding of the uh, gospel yeah i'll They were pretty sad guys. Guys, the community, yeah. Okay, okay. So, 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 who were the Sadducees, right? So, the Sadducees were, you know, they were drawn from the rich landowning class. So, they were pretty wealthy in the society, and um, and um, you know, the the Jews had this. Uh, they had this council known as the Sanhedrin, and in the Sanhedrin. the sadducees and the pharisees they were the people who uh, who had their seats um, in the sanhedrin and the sanhedrin would come together to to legislate they would come together to uh, to make um, uh, to take decisions which were political uh, to they would come together to take judicial decisions so they actually um, you know there was this tension between these two groups the sadducees and the pharisees but um, but 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 they were critical members of the sanhedrin now one of the difference with the sadducees is they only believed in or rather they revered only the first five books in the bible which is the books of moses they didn't really um, regard the others so much and as a result of which they didn't believe in things like a resurrection or angels demons and all of these things because they were not found in the first five books or they were not found in the books of moses so that is how and so that was one distinction that they had that they revered only the first five books of moses now their influence during the time of jesus was apparently on the wane um that is what some of the accounts that i uh, read mentioned okay so primarily these three people groups you should be aware of when you read the gospels the scribes the pharisees and the sadducees now there are some other people groups which we will not discuss today there were the people like the zealots and so on uh, you know simon the zealot so they were like the terrorists of those time they wanted to overthrow the romans through military power and they wanted to claim um, claim uh, claim the land of israel for themselves but we will not really go into that uh, for today so what did we look so far we looked into the historical and political context we looked into the religious context and next what we will do is we'll take a look at the lay of the land so israel and the time of jesus okay so and okay, i hope you all are, okay those of you at the back okay john gave me this i this is not to <laughs> this is not a whack anyone who doesn't give an answer but uh, but anyway it's too far for me so so anyway this is the this is the lay of the land okay so um um okay you know we keep hearing about galilee and judea and samaria and all of that it's good for us to understand what is where so this region is the region of galilee which is up in the north okay there is this place called samaria here we'll come into that and this is a place called judea and you have you know jerusalem is close to judea so it's it's a very important area and uh, another place that you should know is you know this blue patch this is the sea of galilee so here there is mount hermon and uh, you know the uh, the the dew or the you know there are snow capped mountains so the snow melts and that's how the water comes into the sea of galilee and here you have the famous dead sea and there is this water body that actually flows from here down all the way 
and that is the river of jordan so so this um, so this is the river jordan that actually uh, flows from so this drains the sea of galilee into into the dead sea okay so that's so that's something that you should just keep in mind and we know that jesus got baptized in the river jordan john the baptist was baptizing people in the river jordan and so on now samaritans were people from this area now who are the samaritans it's important for us to know who these samaritans were so you know when the kingdom split and when the assyrians had taken um, the 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 people from from northern israel uh, from uh, from the northern kingdom into exile these samaritans were actually the descendants of you know the surviving israelites okay they also actually worshiped god they also worshiped the same god they believed in the same same books of the old testament however the jews hated them the jews saw them as being inferior people um and it was not because of any theological uh, differences but it was mainly because of racial considerations okay so those of us living in india uh, i mean we all live in india uh, so we all know the um, the caste system right so despite the fact that we are all children of the same god we tend to look down or people the upper caste tend to look down on the lower caste and the jews had that kind of a problem so the jews would would generally look down on the samaritans and they saw them as being children of a lesser god and what the jews would do is you know if they had to come from the region of galilee down to judea they would try to avoid um, you know going through samaria as far as possible and we find instances of that in the uh, in the in in the gospels but you know jesus was different right jesus had a heart for all people he truly broke down all these walls of hostility for example we know what happens in john chapter 4 when it came to the samaritan woman and this is why it was so revolutionary at that time for a jew to actually go and uh, go to samaria and also even converse with a samaritan woman and jesus was radical in that sense so we find that in john chapter 4 and you know these tensions if we come to the book of luke chapter 9 we find that you know the samaritans uh, wanted to oppose um, uh, you know jesus and his disciples from entering their place and that we find in luke chapter 9 if you come to luke chapter 9 and verse 51 it says that um, you know uh, verse 52 it says that and he sent messengers on ahead who went into a samaritan village to get things ready for them but the people there did not welcome him because he was heading for jerusalem right so you find this tension between the samaritans and the jews so that was constantly happening uh, at that time now if we go back to the map okay i just want to explain a few things which is interesting for us to know now jesus is known as jesus of nazareth why is he known as jesus of nazareth right you come to luke chapter 2 come to luke chapter 2 and verse 4 it says so joseph no sorry before that uh, luke chapter 1 and verse 26 it says in the 6th month of elizabeth's pregnancy god sent angel gabriel to nazareth a town in galilee so where is so where is nazareth it's a town in galilee so this is galilee right on the top so nazareth is there nazareth is there right so so nazareth is a place in the north of israel in the region you can call it the district of galilee if you want so that is where the town of nazareth is and as we come down um you know today uh, ld spoke about uh, the dedication of jesus in the temple so his parents obviously and even for his birth it uh, because of the census that was happening you know there is the census that happens here uh, chapter 2 and it says verse 4 it says so joseph 
also went up from the town of Nazareth uh, in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem. So they actually go from Nazareth all the way to Judea into the town of Bethlehem. So you see this distance? Um, I don't know. I think it's about 200 kilometers, I think. I once did a Google map to check. <laughs> so at that time, there was no Google map, but maybe the distance was more. But there is that much of a distance. So they actually came from there to here for the census. And then Jesus was born in the town of Bethlehem. That is here. Okay, so these are places which are in the southern part of Israel, around the region of Judea. So that's, so that's another thing to note. And then we spoke about, uh, you know, Jesus' dedication in the temple. Obviously, that was also happening um, in Jerusalem because the temple was in Jerusalem. And then as we move further in, in, in the Gospel of Luke, we come to, uh, we come to chapter 4. Okay, we come to chapter 4 where Jesus is actually, he's beginning his public ministry. And, uh, and uh, in chapter 4, uh, if you come to verse 28, chapter 4 verse 28, it says, All the people in the synagogue were furious when they heard, and they got up, drove him out of town, and took him to the brow of the hill on which the town was built in order to throw him off the cliff. So they actually wanted to throw Jesus down. And, and Jesus was here in Nazareth, his own town, and the people actually wanted to throw him out. You know, in Nazareth, there is this place called uh, the Mount Precipice. And the people there say that this is the mount on which this particular incident happened. We don't know if it's true, but it maybe it is true. And Jesus was rejected by his own people in the town of Nazareth. So we find that, you know, after all this uh, temple dedication and all of that, in the, in the Gospel of John, we find Jesus actually spending some more time here in Judea. But when we come to the book of, um, uh, to the book of Luke, uh, and in the other Gospels, most of his other early part of the ministry, you know, he did in and around the region of Galilee, right? All these places that you see there, those are the places that Jesus spent his time. And um, the region where he changed the water to wine, um, there is also this mount called Mount Tabor. Um, people say that the transfiguration happened um, in that region. Uh, today we read about, uh, you know, Nain. And Nain is uh, there in the region of Galilee. So we find that, you know, the northern part of Israel is where Jesus spent a lot of his time and this early part of the ministry. Okay? And as we move in the book of Luke, and as we come to, say, chapter 9... He's now, you know, after he finished his ministry in the north, he's actually making his way down, okay? And if you come to Luke uh, chapter 9, and if you come to verse 51, that's where he encountered the Samaritan opposition, which means he was somewhere in the region of uh, Samaria. And then we come to chapter 10, which I think, uh, I think Abi spoke about that today. He comes to the home of Mary and Martha. And where was the home of Mary and Martha? It was in Bethany. And where was Bethany? Bethany is Bethany is here. Did you see that? So Bethany is there. So Bethany was again in the region of, uh, of Judea. So Jesus is actually, you know, he's come from all the way top and he's coming down. And right now he's in Bethany in chapter 9. And as we come to chapter 13 in the, in the, in the gospel of Luke, and if we come to verse 22, it says, then Jesus went.
it says it says jesus went through the towns and villages teaching as he made his way to jerusalem so now jesus was about to enter into 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 jerusalem and that's what we find in chapter 13 okay and then there is this um, you know when we come to chapter 17 he's now in the southern region of uh, of israel and in chapter 17 you know there is a story of the 10 lepers and one of them was a samaritan again jesus actually healed a samaritan jesus showed his compassionate heart he didn't believe in any of these racial divides and it is only the samaritan who actually comes back to thank him after he uh, after he was made well so so you know the point is that jesus has moved from the northern part he's come through samaria and he's now in the southern region in the region of judea and uh, he's preparing to enter jerusalem right and then as we move further in the book of luke when we come to chapter 19 jesus makes his grand entry into jerusalem so in chapter 19 we read about you know the grand entry right where jesus uh, rides i mean he again fulfills a prophecy he rides a donkey and he enters into jerusalem and then eventually uh, we know what happened um, he was betrayed he was crucified and he gave up his uh, and he gave up his life and then he was uh, and then and then on easter day he actually rose up from the grave okay that's okay this this one is pretty it's actually a very you know when you get these slides i would really encourage you to just go through go through the the one on the right because it actually mentions a lot of things which happened uh, i know it's not clear here but uh, but but you know it actually explains what are those yeah see here you see jesus walked on water he heals man with demons he healed the blind man the he healed the uh, the centurion servant he turned the water to wine in cana see all these things he spends his boyhood uh okay they are saying that the transfiguration would have happened here but then mount tabor is another place where people say that the transfiguration would have happened this is possibly his baptism site but you know he would have got baptized anywhere on the coast of the jordan river and then you know um, raises lazarus from the dead here in bethany um you know all this he helps bartimaeus um uh, you know birth is in jerusalem so i would just request you to go through this map as well when you get the notes it's actually pretty interesting and and see it's always good for us to really understand what fits where right uh, on a map um it's like somebody coming and telling us about india and say something happened in delhi something happened in calcutta something happened in chennai it's good for us to know what is happening where and and that's why it is good to understand you know the movement of jesus from north to south and eventually uh, even as he gives up his life um so this is how our sermon series have been planned okay so so i think we have raven i think we have about 36 uh, 36 sermons which will cover luke from 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 i mean this is this is the first session that we having today and it will end with the resurrection and ascension of jesus and these are the broad sections right so in this particular portion we will introduce uh, john the baptist and jesus here we speak about the galilean ministry which is the region in the north that we spoke about and then here we speak about jesus's jerusalem entry and then finally we speak about jesus's death and resurrection so that is how you know the sermons are arranged and uh, as you go through these sermons you know we'll actually be journeying from the north to south as well so it's it's uh, i mean really hope that as a church we can all come together 
and um, and learn the gospel of Luke, and eventually we will learn the um, the book of Acts as well. And we really hope that uh, you know this enhances our understanding of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, you know, God in flesh, Emmanuel, who walked on this land for the redemption of mankind, right? And as we close, I just want to um, close. I just want us to think about a few things. Okay, isn't it incredible that God can even work through? pagan kings to orchestrate his plans for the coming of his son. I just find this to be fascinating, right? He worked through the Persians to get his people back. He worked through the Greeks to bring about a common culture. He worked through the Romans to bring about infrastructure and to bring about peace in the land so that the gospel can go across to the ends of the earth. You know, God is sovereign, right? And those of us, uh, you know, we in India, sometimes we feel that we have a party in power which is against us. You know, honestly, it doesn't matter, right? God is on the throne. His plans and purposes, they will never fail. And it is good for us to really think and contemplate about the sovereignty of God. Is God real to us in all our conflicts and in the midst of everything that we go through? The fact is, His plans and purposes, they will never fail. Another point which 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 I just which came to my mind as I was preparing this is you know it took several thousands of years for the seed that was promised to arrive. Jesus, I mean, God didn't do things in an instant. As human beings, we would have thought, oh, the seed was provided, but why did the seed take so much of time? God had His plan. He chose a vehicle, and the vehicle was Israel as a nation, and it took several thousands of years for that vehicle to launch his holy son into this world. God has his timings, right? His timings are not like our timing. We might want things to happen instantly, but God has his perfect time. Like that song says, in his time, he makes all things beautiful in his time. And in his beautiful time, his plans and purposes will get accomplished. Third point, right? Despite awaiting the Messiah, right? We saw that how uh, it was religiously a right time for the arrival of the Messiah because, because they knew that the scripture spoke about the Messiah. But despite awaiting the Messiah, most of the Jews rejected him when he arrived because they were looking for a political Messiah than a spiritual one. We know so much about Jesus. We know so much about um, the scriptures. How is it that we look at Jesus? Do we truly contemplate, do we, do we truly behold him as the son of God? Do we truly realize that he's the one because of which today we have access and hope to God? It is because of him that today we have access to a God, you know, and we take the name of God on our lips. It's a name that the Israelites did not have the courage to take on their lips. But today, because Jesus Christ came into the world and because we've been reconciled to God, today we can take the name of of God on our lips, right? I mean, the portion that uh, uh, that LD read today, you know, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. And it says, for my eyes have seen your salvation, right? Jesus, the Lamb of God, our salvation, right? Without him, all of us, you know, we were people who were racially away from God, morally away from God. Um, in every which way, we had absolutely no access to God. But because of Jesus, right, in the fullness of time, he stepped down into this world. You know, we sing that song, right? Light of the world, you step down into darkness. That's what he did. That's what the Gospels are all about. Verse 32, it says that 
uh, verse 31 says that, And you have prepared in the sight of all nations light for revelation to the Gentiles. Simeon knew that, that, that there is hope for the Gentiles with the arrival of Jesus Christ. It says, And the glory of your people Israel. So this is Jesus. This is Jesus in the Gospels. Who is Jesus for you, right? Who is Jesus for you? That is the question that we need to answer. Is Jesus the light that dispels darkness as is spoken in the scriptures? And, um, you know, as we, as, we, as we go forward in the series in the next couple of weeks, that's what I would encourage all of us to, uh, to, to, to just expect, um, you know, the word of God to come to us in, in all its power, right? You, you should, we, we should pray for us as a church as we go into this new series so that, um, so that uh, the life of Jesus is clear to us and what he accomplished becomes clear to us. And we re- really hope that uh, this would challenge m- many of us to actually become more and more um, into the image of God's Holy Son. So with that, uh, we end this. Um, and I'm, I'm sorry that, you know, for those of you who found, uh, who never took a liking to liberal arts or history and all of that, um, you know, most of us are IT guys sitting in the system and coding, but I hope, but you know, to understand the Bible, you don't need to understand uh, IT language, but you need to understand, you know, some history and geography and, um, you know, all of that. So do take an interest in some of these things as you study the scriptures, it will just enhance your understanding of the scriptures. Yeah. So with that, uh, we'll close. Father in heaven, we thank you for this time. Lord, we thank you for allowing us to come to your presence and uh, Lord, we, we are amazed at the way in which you orchestrate things uh, to fulfill your plans and purposes, Lord. And Lord, even as uh, we are going to get into a deeper study of the book of Luke in the coming weeks, we pray, O oh Lord, that you would be with every person who would be taking the sermon. And we pray for us um, who are going to be listening to that. And we pray that you would prepare our hearts, Lord, and you would make our hearts fertile to receive what uh, you have in store for us, Lord. And Lord Jesus, we pray that uh, by the time we finish the book of Luke, that our understanding of the gospel, our understanding of Jesus and our understanding of God would be so much more enhanced, Lord. And we pray that that would challenge us to become more like your Holy Son, Lord. And it would challenge us to do greater things for you. It would challenge us to show the light of the gospel to those around us. And it would challenge us to to make our life orderly, Lord, so that the name of God is glorified. So, Father, we once again thank you for this time. Um, Despite some technical challenges, we still want to thank you for allowing us to to, to go through this session. And we praise you, Lord, for that. Uh, Be with the rest of the meeting today, Father. In Jesus Christ's most holy name we ask and pray.